this has been fun, huh? You guys have a good time? Well, I'm excited to be here. Uh, came in last night from Northern California. Uh, I don't know what's going on in North Carolina, but I, God's brought me out here twice in a month. So something's happening here. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Let me start off real quick by telling you what this is not. So this is not Republican or Democrat or independent, okay? That's what this is not. This is kingdom, okay? This is about putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. All right, in the South, that usually gets an amen. All right? <laughs> putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. So who is this guy? All right, uh, husband, three daughters, love Jesus, live in Northern California right now. We're in, we were in Oklahoma for 17 years. And here's a little bit about my story. So seven years ago, I'm on a half business, half mission trip to China. And we decided to take a day and go, go out and see the sights. And walking along on the Great Wall, quietly praying. And I've never had this experience before, and I've never had it since. But it was like when you're reading the Bible and it's that thunderbolt and lightning moment where God speaks. And he said, Amen, you think too small, you don't think generationally. And I mean, I was in tears. I was scared. I mean, it, it was super humbling. That's not what you really want to hear the time something like that actually happens to you. And so I came back and I'm getting coffee with one of my best friends. And I tell him the story. And he said, what do you think it means? And I said, Kevin, for some reason, I feel like you and I are supposed to put our heads together and put godly leaders in positions of authority at the state and national level. And he just stares at me. And he says, do not tell anybody this, but I think God's calling me to run for governor. He said, be my campaign manager. I said, Kevin, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't like politics. I don't care about politics. I've never done anything but vote. He said, me neither. So fast forward a few months, I leave the business world and go run his campaign for governor. Now, that's humbling, okay? When you go into a space that you have nothing, no idea about, right? Last night, Dr. Cottle said, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That's my story, okay? So we had a 10-person primary, we made it to the top two, we won the runoff, and won the general election. And so he's the governor of Oklahoma now. But here's how we looked at it. We don't look at it like he's the governor of Oklahoma. We look at it as he's a pastor over a church of four million people. Okay? And so now, Jesus gets to go into places he's never been invited. You know, he's taking Jesus into agency head meetings and cabinet meetings. And he's carrying the kingdom all over the place, everywhere he goes. Because we've never looked at it like that before, right? So... This is my team, the inauguration. It was an amazing experience, the hardest thing I've ever done. After the campaign, he asked me to be the chief strategy officer for Oklahoma. And that's something I really wanted to do. But I said, Kevin, I just worked 80 hours a week the last two years, and I gotta take some time off and spend with my family. So I did that. And while we were on the campaign, we went all over Oklahoma and all the surrounding states speaking and meeting with people. And we realized how much the body of Christ and pastors had their heads in the sand in this arena. Mm -hmm. And it was scary. And now, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I kind of had my head in the sand too. 
all right? So I just want to be really transparent there. This is not a world I was really interested in or cared about, okay? I'd vote, but that's it. So we built out this program called First, Kingdom and Politics. They came for the baby. I don't want to share this with you. But I didn't speak out because I didn't have a baby. They came from the churches, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't a pastor. They came for the children and the schools, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't in school. They came for the businesses, bakers, and t-shirt makers, but I didn't speak out because I didn't have a business. They came for the elderly, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't elderly. Then they came for me and my family, but there's no one left to help. How much longer are we going to sit on the sidelines as ungodly legislation is written and implemented? How long before the Bible and the name of Jesus become hate speech? How long before your church loses its online presence through censorship, isn't allowed to take online donations, and is forced to close its doors? I'm Eamon Ross, founder of the Kingdom of Politics movement. Right. So what we have is a training program that we created. It's an online video training for how to run for office and how to work on a campaign. And the reason we do both is people, we kind of look at it like, you all know who Dave Ramsey is? So we kind of, we're called like the Dave Ramsey of politics, okay? So we want small groups and churches across the country to have a group of people that want to run for office and then a bunch of people in the church that want to help them run for office. And so we want to teach both sides of that. And it's so powerful because there are so many people in your churches that want to do something about this, okay? They want to be part of the solution. I had a pastor uh, just outside San Francisco Bay Area, and we're in the green room. And I said, Pastor Dave, how many people in your church have ever been called to the political space? He said, I have no idea. I said, why don't you go out on stage and tell them, hey, I know I've never asked this before, but..." From when you were, a, ask, ask your uh, congregation, when you were a kid until today, how many of you have ever been drawn or led by the Holy Spirit or nudged in the direction toward the world of politics? And 30 or 40% of his church raises their hand. And I guarantee that if you did that in your church, it would be the same thing. We've just never had this conversation. And so then he said, man, what am I doing to steward the hearts of those people? Right? So... As we talked about, uh, John talked about the seven mountains. We have to be stewarding the hearts of people in all seven spheres, right? So our mission is to educate, inspire, and prepare believers to run for office and work on campaigns. Our short-term mission is to partner with a thousand churches to raise up at least one person in their church to run for school board in the next two years. And then our long-term mission, and this is the nut right here, 100,000 believers to run for office in 10 years. Okay? 100,000 believers to run for office in 10 years. When Kevin and I started, okay, day one, you know what we did? We sat down and made 150 uh, vocabulary flashcards because we had no idea. We had like bad fifth grade civics knowledge, okay? We didn't even know where to start. So we started by learning the language. So do not despise humble beginnings. God wants us to think generationally, right? And when I was on the Great Wall and he said that, he told me, you don't think generationally? That really hurt my heart. And I think about that every day. 
thinking generationally. You know, God is the God of three generations, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talks about it all through the Bible. We have to start investing in this space for the next three generations. We have to start thinking strategically, okay? I have a church in California that came to me and said, hey, we're, we have a, uh, over 20 school boards in our county, and we'd like to run at least one person for each school board. Will you come talk to us? I said, sure. So we go in, I talked to the 20 senior pastors, and they said, uh, I said, listen, I love your vision, I love your mission, but tell me, do you have any other pastors that you're friends with in this county? And they said, yeah, absolutely. I said, share that vision with them, and then let's do this. Instead of running one person for each school board, let's run three or four, right? It's a totally different way of thinking about things. Instead of coming in with one vote, okay, where you have a little bit of a say, let's come in with a majority, okay? I live in a place where, you know, gender transition without parental consent is being pushed all over the place, all right? It's insane what's happening in our schools. But we haven't been there to be part of this conversation. Now, I'll tell you, this is all about biblical worldview and non-biblical worldview, okay? People with a non-biblical worldview, they know what they're doing, okay? They're, listen, they are practicing what they preach. They are tithing into that space, all right? We can hardly get believers to engage in this space and tie to the church, all right? So this is, this is the fight that we're up against. Believe it, we do a really good job of getting ready for one battle, Okay, something that we're really against. We all want to get together, lock arms, and fight. We have to think much differently. This is a war, okay? This is a kingdom war. It's a spiritual war, not against flesh and blood, right? Against the spiritual forces of evil and the <laughs> heavenly realms. We got to fight this thing forever. We have to change the way we think about it. So here's the current state of affairs. Three out of four believers don't even vote, okay? That's George Barna data. That's the, the gold standard of data right there. There are over 550,000 elected offices in the United States, from school board to president. 550,000. 70% in 2020, 70% of the local, city, county, and um, uh, elections went uncontested. That means that whoever was on the ballot won, because nobody was going against them. Now, there's 3,000 counties in the U.S., okay? Which means there's 3,000 sheriffs, 14,000 school boards, and ni over 19,000 municipal governments. Yes. And we don't engage in this space at all. As I, and I speak all over the country, talk to pastors all the time. There's an attitude out there, okay? There is. So what? God's got it. The church and I mean the capital C church, has created an environment where apathy is clean and engagement is dirty. Apathy is clean and engagement is dirty. How messed up is that, right? I mean, I can't think of anything more self-righteous, right? So I have, well, let me back up. So I have, let me give you an example. So I have a, there's a church I spoke out in Bend, Oregon. Bend was having a whole bunch of earthquakes. And so the Geological Society came out there. They brought all of the leaders together in the town and some of the state leaders. And they're doing uh, disaster preparedness, a big, huge meeting. And the pastor there, he and his wife, raised their hand and said, hey, how, you know, how can you see our church helping? 
in, you know, in, in time of disaster. And the guy in a huge public meeting said, disengage, irrelevant. Those are the two words he gave him in, 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 in the, this huge meeting. And so they, they, they took those two words, went back to the church, prayed about it, and they repented. They felt like the Lord wanted them to repent because clearly that's the message that they sent their community. Okay? And then what they did is they went back to him and apologized. And said, what can we do? Well, the sheriff happened to be at the meeting, and he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, we need some gas masks. We need 60 gas masks for our guys for when they go into these certain situations. So the pastor said, okay. So we went back. They raised the money, went to the sheriff's office, delivered the masks, and he was floored. He goes, I can't believe this. I can't believe you guys actually did something. So a couple months later, a couple other things happened. The church came in and served him. Started getting trust, building trust, right? And when you build trust and you have a relationship, you have influence, right? Yeah. And you have to build influence when you don't need influence. And so what happened is the pastor's, um, he's, he's, the pastor's getting coffee with the sheriff a few months down the road, and he's, he's like, man, what can I pray for you about? He said, well, we're just really struggling with this murder that happened in town. And I don't tell this story at every church because there's some churches that <laughs> they, this, this story doesn't go over very well. Um, but the, he said, we're having a hard time solving this murder. And he's like, okay, well, we'll pray about it. So they go to the church, they bring these kids from Sunday school, and they give them this assignment. Here's, we want you to pray about this murder, and we want you to prophesy whatever the Lord tells you. So these children start prophesying. These, these two girls that were in different rooms said the same thing. They say, we saw two girls, one with dark hair and one with light hair, and they're, they're supposed to talk to the other girl. So the pastor's like, I don't even know what that means. But he went to the sheriff and he said, hey, was, it, was there two girls you know, that were involved in this, this murder situation? He said, yeah. He goes, they were sisters. One, one had dark hair and one had light hair. And uh, you know, he goes, well, you talked to the wrong one. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he went back through the notes and he realized, oh, yeah, we only interviewed the older sister with dark hair. So he goes, you got to go talk to the, the, uh, the younger one. So they go talk to the younger one and she saw the whole thing and they solved the murder. And now, the church has unbelievable influence in their community, right? So you just never know how God's going to use you when you start to engage. We have to build relationship. I was at a meeting, 700 pastors, California Senate uh, leader, Shannon Grove. She gets up on stage, and she's like a 5'5 ball of dynamite. And this lady is, she's, she's a fireball. So she grabs a mic, and she stares at these guys. It's just dead quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And she said, stop calling me. Stop emailing me. Get off your butts and come down to the state capitol. You're the only group of people that never come here. Wow. The atheists of America come here. The abortion lobby comes here. She said, you haven't been at the table, and now you're on the menu. Two months later, COVID hits. And then in, in, in California, you know, you, can't, you couldn't sing in church. Yep. Then you couldn't go to church, okay? So we haven't been at the table, and now we're on the menu. So why have we abdicated our responsibility in the political space? 
Why? Because it's easier? Because we don't know how to talk about it? I used to lay this question at the feet of pastors. And then I started doing my research, and I realized that the seminaries and the Bible colleges, they're failing these guys. They are failing them. They don't teach them how to talk about the issues that are going on every day in our homes or our schools or work from a biblical worldview. We become biblically illiterate. And if you are biblically illiterate, you don't understand the mandate that God has on the political space. Proverbs 29.2. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Who's tired of groaning? Yeah. Right? Well, that's the problem. People always like to, oh, you know, but it's such a dark space, blah, blah, blah. They give me all this. And I'm like, well, yeah, guess what? We've never been there. If we're not bringing salt and light into this space, of course it's going to be dark. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this is what some pastors give me is the reasons that they don't get involved. Romans 13.1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Well, guess what? We live in a republic. So guess who are the authorities that get established by God? The people that raise their hand and say, I'll do it. I'll do it. So, here's some rules of engagement for you or your pastors or your congregation. Buy your public servants a cup of coffee. Go there while you don't need anything. Love on them. You know, bring, bring love, you know, at the school board. Bake them some cakes. Take them some cookies. Thank them for serving. They don't, all they ever get is complaint, right? Mm -hmm. These are just people trying to serve. They don't get paid, right? Go to your city council. Love on them. How can I pray for you? How can our church serve the needs that you see in the community? You wouldn't believe how receptive they are to that. Because no one ever does that. No one does that. And it's real easy. It's super easy to do. You've got to raise up leaders in your church who are called to public office. If you're a pastor, that's on you. And then you've got to inspire us with biblical worldview on how to deal with the things that we're dealing with at home. All right? Because guess what? The pastors I talk to, they feel it. They're losing their influence with their congregations. Because they don't know how to talk about the stuff that everybody's dealing with at home, Monday through Friday, from a biblical worldview. Then the other thing I get is, y'all ever heard of uh, WWDD? What would Daniel do? <laughs> All right. People always tell me, oh, you know, I, I, I can't go work with those people those people. I can't go do that. You know, I don't agree with them. We were talking about the 15%, 85% John was just talking about, right? I can't work. I, I, I just totally disagree with some of the stuff they say. Well, guess what? Daniel, he was a slave. He was a eunuch, right? Do you think that Daniel agreed with everything that was going on in Babylon or agreed with all the stuff that the other leaders in Babylon were doing? No. But what did he do? He served with excellence. He served with excellence, and they could find no fault in him. He had no dereliction of duty. And God took him and raised him up, and he became the second most powerful man in the world. 
but he didn't agree with everything that was going on around him. Okay, but we, we take that 15% like John said, oh, I don't have to do anything because I don't agree with them. Well, that's not kingdom. I mean, if, you're, if you live in a bubble and you're only taking kingdom to your other kingdom people, we're not moving the needle. How you bring the kingdom to earth if we're not doing that? But here's the consequences of doing nothing. One of my friends is the guy that invented the YouVersion Bible app. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. But, uh, you know, I had a conversation with him a couple months ago. I said, Bobby, what do you guys, what's your strategy for when the Bible is hate speech and it's kicked off the iPhone and the, and the Android? What's the plan? He said, we don't know. We're trying to figure that out. Because that stuff's coming, okay? It's coming. Now, you never know how God can use one of the people in your church in the political space. One of my friends, Mel Ponder, Destin, Florida, business guy, didn't care about politics, felt called to run. He didn't want to do it. It was a hard race. People said lies about him, hurt, it, hurt him and his families emotionally, emotionally, but he did it, and he won. A couple months later, a strip club's coming to town. So it's a chain of strip clubs on the East Coast. They, they were, they were going to buy a building. They were submitting their permits. And Destin's a real family-friendly place. And they didn't want that in their community. So what he did, being a believer, he had relations with his pastors, got all the faith leaders together, and they bought the building that the strip club was going to go into. And then they turned it in to a place where they started serving the underserved in the community with food, backpacks, clothing. So something that the enemy meant for evil, God used for good, because Mel said yes. You just don't know the kind of impact. You, know, you don't know what's around the corner that God will instantly be able to use you for. So here's what we run into. When we were doing our research to create the curriculum, we found that there's four reasons believers don't run for office. The first one's fear, okay? And we break that down into three parts. The fear of man, sorry, the fear of failure, the fear of success, and the fear of the unknown. So that's what we teach people. It's like, look, this is not running for office. This is, it's not as hard as you think. Now, there's definitely best practices and things you've got to avoid, but we want to make sure that you understand it so there's not just this really uh, op opaque unknown and then there's the fear of failure, right? Well, what if they say a bunch of negative stuff about me? What if, you know, um, it hurts my business? That's a real fear. We get it. And so we walk them through that. And then there's the fear of success. I mean, what if I become the county commissioner? Like, can I even do that job? Right? So we, we help connect them to, to organizations that will help them bring kingdom legislation into those positions. Then there's the lack of training. There's hardly any training out there. The lack of mentorship and the lack of community. We do Zoom coaching with all these candidates, all right? So that they're not going on this journey alone. Abraham Lincoln said, the philosophy of the school in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And how true is that today? We gave up education years ago. We stopped volunteering in schools, stopped supporting. That's what happens. Here's the deal. I don't know how the kingdom comes, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if we're not bringing the kingdom into this space. How can that happen? This is our team of subject matter experts. Look, I'm just a Nehemiah. Okay, I've done a lot of campaigns now, but 
I'm someone who brings together people that have been doing this stuff 30 years to help these candidates, okay? Nehemiah was not a architectural engineer. He was not a building expert, okay? He was a wine taster, that's exactly right. <laughs> he was a cup bearer to the king, all right? And yet he got, you know, God used him to build that wall in 52 days. Now, here's what I, here's what I get when I, with almost every candidate that, you know, we, we only work with believers, every single candidate. Okay, have you ever heard a candidate say this right here? I'm the most atheist, atheist of atheists? No. Nah. But every believer, man, they want to preach about Jesus, their whole campaign, and put Jesus everywhere, and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I have to talk them through it. Because here's the deal. Who knows Matthew 10, 16? Okay? We all, we all hear the gentle as a dove sermon all the time, right? You know, this is the wise as a serpent sermon. Because we don't need believers running for office. We need them winning. Okay? <laughs> And then bringing kingdom legislation and kingdom ideals into this space. Yes. And so when you lead, you're going to be the leader over all the people that agree with you and all the people that don't agree with you. All right? And so we got to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. The wise as a serpent part, I never hear pastors talk, talk about that. But if you're, in, you're, if you're in the military and you're on a covert mission trying to accomplish an objective, are you telling people your plan? Are you giving them more information than they need? No. And yet we go do that. We alienate a whole bunch of people that would support us. And, and listen, biblical values, everyone wins when you bring biblical <laughs> values into this space. All right? Everyone wins. But the thing is, we alienate a whole bunch of people because we want to tell them how much Jesus, Jesus, Jesus we are. All right? And if you really want to, uh, this may offend somebody, and okay. that's your choice to choose to be offended. But what I see is a huge level of self-righteousness in doing that. I'm going to tell everybody how pro-Jesus and for Jesus I am right. on my campaign. And look, I know they're coming from a good place and a good heart. But that's, you know, <laughs> remember when the, shoot, the, the parable of the shoot manager and Jesus is like, oh, geez, these idiots. I wish they were as wise as the people of this world. Yeah. Right? Well, we need strategy. And this is, a, this is a good strategy. So here's the courses we do. We have how to run for office, how to run a campaign, art of the pivot, message discipline. That's just a short course. Look, when you're a believer, the world hates you. And in this space, the Jezebel spirit is strong. Strong. And that, in my opinion, is the most powerful spirit I've ever encountered. And so we give them techniques to get out of situations because the enemy is always throwing a grenade always whether it's through the press or an opponent so we arm them with a few techniques to get out of those situations so uh, we have a po podcast you know we try to tell the stories of amazing people that are believers that are doing incredible work kingdom work they're governors they're congressmen pastors love for you to download that and listen to it but if you remember one thing that i said today one thing, it's this. The world of politics, it's the next big mission field. Yes. We love to send people to China, right? Love to send people to Iran. We got to start sending people here. 
California exports culture to America, America exports culture to the world. We have to be part of that conversation. We have to be part of it. We have got to be leading with kingdom ideals. Here's some contact information. Um, please reach out, happy to have the conversations with you if you, if you and your organization wants to partner. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with just this thought. God loves the government space. He does. he does. I don't know why he called me into this because I, I still don't even really care about it. Like, I'm just not emotionally engaged in the world of politics. But I know that if I'm going to make a kingdom impact on the next generation, I need to carry this. And so we're going to do it with excellence. So thank you guys. Appreciate you having me. Yeah.